personally, the way that I've tried to overcome the issues of defining love while having a cross-cultural background is going back to my own values and really in therapy doing the work of what do I believe love is? How do I believe I can show love to others? And that doesn't need to be dictated by cultural ideology. this episode of Have You Eaten, a podcast brought to you by Nirum Health, which aims to bring open conversations around mental health straight to your ears. I'm your host, Adrian Bevington-Wong, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join me on today's audio adventure. This podcast is named Have You Eaten? Because this question is commonly asked to indicate concern for others in our local culture. And we think the question embodies our podcast mission to invite listeners to join the conversations about how we can take care of our own and others' mental well-being. The upcoming series of episodes will be focused around the main theme, For the Love of Me. We talk to thinkers and doers about how they take care of their mental health, learn to be resilient, and grow their mindset. In this episode, I'm very happy to talk to Louisa Choi, a Korean-American poet who uses words to reflect, heal, and grow. We talked about her identity, challenges, and how she turned her childhood experience into inspiring poems. Hello, Louisa. Um, Thank you very much for being on Have You Eaten? So before we start our program, the first question we ask every guest is, have you eaten? Yes, I have. I actually just came back from dinner with my really good college friends. It was so nice. Um, We had burrito bowls, so yummy. And it was really, really nice to catch up with them and take a break from studying for a second. (laughs) Spending time with friends is just something we we need to um, cherish. And we need to do more often because over the last three years, um, people living in the world has been going through a very tough time um, being disconnected. Mm -hmm. And I think once the world is opening up, it's time for us to reconnect. Well, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Um, because you are Korean-American, if I understand mm-hmm. correctly. Um, yeah. Born and raised in Hong Kong, and you recently mm-hmm. moved, moved to, to New York. Yeah, so um, both my parents are Korean. They were born in Korea and then immigrated to the U.S. when they were really young um, and became U.S. citizens. And then my dad got a job in Hong Kong. Um, they moved here and then had me and my sisters here. So we were all born and raised here. Um, I graduated high school in Hong Kong, so I lived there my whole life. And then about a year and a half ago, I moved to the U.S., um, which was supposed to be for college, but I ended up taking a gap year um, and then reapplying to school. And now I'm at Columbia University in New York. The cross-cultural background, how does it inform you or how does it shape you as a person, as an individual? Yeah, I mean... I would say my cultural background is definitely very third culture and personally I have a lot of battles with it internally a lot because I grew up in Asia. Um, I grew up learning Chinese like Mandarin at school. I grew up around a lot of Chinese culture in Hong Kong Um, but I also grew up a lot around a lot of western culture because my family is very westernized since my parents grew up in the U.S. and I went to international school so I was learning in English and around Um, a lot of even more different cultures because all my friends were from different places like Sweden, Germany, Australia. 
Um, and then on top of that, I am ethnically Korean and I actually don't even know how to speak Korean, um, which is an interesting fact that I can speak Chinese, but not Korean. Um, so I think my whole life I've kind of felt a little bit all over the place. Um, I do think it really gives me a sense of like uniqueness and I feel really, really grateful to have grown up in Hong Kong and experienced, um, the culture there the way I have and I definitely think it shaped me into who I am today and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world but I think since coming to the U.S. I've really realized that what I have is a unique experience that not everyone can understand and that can sometimes be difficult because I feel like people want to put me in a box when I have no box to go into um so I guess that can be frustrating sometimes but I also remember that culture is fluid and it doesn't have to be one thing or another. And that's really a big lesson I've learned in the past year of my life. Um, so I'm trying to more now focus on the ways that my cross-cultural background strengthens me and makes me unique and allow new perspectives to conversations rather than in the way that it differentiates me from other people, if that makes sense. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, because, yeah. well, I mean, you... Your, your identity is pretty much given to you and you find the strength from it mm. is really inspiring. Yeah. Um, for, yeah. for myself, um, grew up in a very traditional, well, I would, I would say Chinese family because my mom is mm-hmm. Chinese and I'm Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got married to a British. Um, and then my mother cannot speak English. Um, mm. The way we communicate really created conflicts. And uh-huh. um, I think that's one of the reasons why I want to reach out to um, a therapist is to mm-hmm. really find out a way to work things out um, because yeah. you know relationships with your family is something something important and like as long as you can iron that out I feel like life will be more easier I'm happy to say that I, I'm, I'm seeing a therapist because I think like therapy for some people um, it may sound intimidating but it's, mm-hmm. it's a if you use it correctly um, mm-hmm. it's a tool for you to grow and um, mm-hmm. just to be a better self since we touched on um therapy and you mentioned you were um uh you you had a gap year um if you don't Mm -hmm. mind sharing a little bit more about it um i I, i'm pretty sure if people search louisa Choi, um you're pretty much (laughs) an open book um but can you share a little bit of um the gap year with us yeah of course so i graduated high school in hong kong in may 2021 And I was meant to go to a small liberal arts college in Connecticut. Um, And I really thought that was the plan. Um, I spent the summer, you know, with my friends. It was like a fun summer because it was post-graduation, like no more stress. We were really taking time for ourselves. But I also felt very overwhelmed the whole time. I definitely felt like graduation and all that kind of stuff happened super, super quickly. And all of a sudden I was going to move to America and start like, a new life there with no one I know. And it, it was kind of weighing on me a little bit, but at the time I think I was just so overwhelmed with so many other things going on that I just ignored that feeling, that deep fear inside of me that I was kind of pushing away. Um, and at this point, you know, I had been to therapy for a few years. I had known that I struggled with anxiety and depression, but I never really took it too seriously. I just, you know, was like, okay, that's like a part of me. But I really think I mastered how to be okay. You know, I I learned how to mask all of my symptoms. I learned how to just like, ignore the fact that they were there 
in Hong Kong specifically. Um, so then when I eventually got to college, I had no idea how to act. I didn't know how to be around other people. I had no sense of identity. Um, my whole body mentally and physically just kind of freaked out on me. I was in an entirely panicked state for hours and hours on end. And I actually ended up only staying at that specific school for five days before I left. Um, Mm. because the overall anxiety was just so overwhelming that it was making me physically ill that I couldn't stay there anymore. Um, otherwise it would have been a danger to my health. And I'm lucky that my mom was super supportive of me throughout this entire time. And she was able to kind of like be my crutch and pull me out and be like, you know what? Like you don't deserve to live life by suffering. You don't have to be this way. Like you don't have to be so upset um we really want to get you feeling better like this is any other illness um and unfortunately at that time there was no way I could dedicate myself to both my health and school at the same time so I am so grateful that I had the privilege to be able to take a step back from school take a step back from that track and just focus on my health for a year Right, I think that's very brave of you to share that experience. Um, And one point that I I do want to highlight is mental health is health and everyone has mental health. Um, And I I do want to share that mental health is a spectrum. Sometimes you feel, Mm -hmm. you know, very good. You're Mm -hmm. just waking up, like having coffee and you just feel good about yourself. But sometimes you just feel a little bit down. Um, You want to stay in bed. Um, and everyone experienced that. Um, yeah. But once you can pick up those sim- symptoms, it's just right to go for, um, you know, professional help. As if exactly. yeah. when you're physically ill, you go to a doctor. Yeah. It's the same. Exactly. Um, no, I, I totally understand that. And I think that was me for a really long time. But um, you, like you said, it's like any other illness, whether you have the flu or you broke your leg or in this case you're having a depressive episode or having a panic attack you know health is health and you need to get help when you need it and I think for me one of the biggest lessons I learned since graduating high school is that health is one of the most if not the most important thing to us in our lives and you know there's there's really no point in suffering through experiences um if you're unhappy if that makes sense and your mental health yeah your mental health deserve like you deserve to have good mental health healthy mental health and yeah I think (laughs) at that point I really just had to take a step back look at my core values look at what really really mattered to me and in that moment it was making sure I was leading a life that I was proud of and that I was happy to be in I'm very impressed. By looking at your work, um, well, your father was a, I would say, a constant topic that you touch on um, <laughs> yes. in your work. So can can you just describe a little bit about your um, relationships with your family members? Yeah, yeah. My mother and father, I mean, I have turbulent and complicated relationships, I think, with both of them as individuals. Um, with both of them, I first and foremost dearly love them so much um and I know not everyone has that experience with their parents but for me I would say even though we've gone through some really hard times I know that we both like we all love each other so much and that is what is most important to us but I do think that 
my parents as individuals have been through a lot in their lifetimes and uh, they carry a lot of that pain with them every day and that's really hard for them and unfortunately in some cases that pain is transferred onto their children which I think a lot of families deal with and a lot of people can relate to that um so when I was younger I would definitely say my familial situation was not the greatest um we definitely had some harder times and you know I don't want to speak on behalf of them or on behalf of my siblings but it just it just wasn't easy and I definitely normalized it a lot when I was younger and only realized when I was older that this this was something that really affected me and affected who I was becoming as an adult and as a teenager at the time um and what I'm most actually grateful for though in my family is that we have all chosen to take a path of healing as we've gotten older and that goes for my sisters and my parents um so I'm very grateful that at the point I am now with my parents we are in a much healthier place and it is not perfect but I think it's hard to be perfect but I am so grateful that everyone is trying their best to be the best they can for other people um, within our family. And, you know, I've had to have some really, really difficult conversations with specifically my mother about this. And it's been really hard to be open with her, especially, you know, coming from the Asian background. You know, we're not usually that open with our family or anyone really. And it's really hard to have heart to heart conversations. But I think what I realized once I was an adult was that what matters most to me in my life is sharing love and being and part of love to me is being honest and I realized I couldn't be my true authentic self in front of my family and I knew it was gonna hurt and I knew it was gonna be so hard to repair those relationships but I also knew that for me personally it was gonna be the most rewarding thing I could do with my life and with my time um So yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's been hard times. There's also been really good times. Um, I'm really, really grateful for my parents. Um, But I think my work really reflects some very vulnerable and hard topics that I, I don't even really talk about with my friends. Like, I'm able to express things that are very personal to me. But I do that because it helps not only I like I hope it not only helps others but it really helps me to be like this is real like the the troubling times they were real they happened and there are times now that are better and I am healing and we're all healing together like those can both happen at the same time that is very encouraging um I think what really um surprised me is that your family is on the same journey with you Um, Mm -hmm. And that is very important because Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, I think this is particularly true in Asian cultures, is that we see a family as a unit. So if you want to have a better life, people around you is very important, not to mention friends um, or yourself, but your family is the most important element in your life. And the fact that you're all on the same journey towards, you know, healing and a healthier family relationships. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for you that you're being supported and um, you have the people who are willing to walk the journey with you together. Yeah. No, I'm definitely um, so grateful. Since we're talking about your work, I do want to talk a little bit more about your, your creativity or creative journey, um, creative mm-hmm. thoughts. Um, so expressing emotions through poems and arts is 
is what you do every day now. When you do that, what sort of thoughts go through your head? I mean, I do truly think I try to keep my work very reflective of me as a person and what I'm going through in my daily life. Um, it's funny because most of my work, I like just write on the spot. Like I'll be on the train and I'll just write something and then I'll take a photo of it and post it. Um, and, you know, it's it's true to my life. Like there are some days where I'm feeling a lot happier and a lot more hopeful. And in those cases, I'm inspired to write more of a hopeful note. Um, and other days I'm struggling a bit more and I'm a bit more under the weather and it's, it's harder to write those happier moments at that time. Um, and I like to try to keep a balance of sorts because I think that is reflective of like the human experience is that you're going to go through ups and downs. Um, but I think when I'm writing, I don't know, I just, I just enter this like different like state of mind where it's just like. And I've been like this for years. I mean, the first time I wrote a poem, I was 11. I've I've been writing for almost a decade. And I would say out of any experience I've ever had, it's the most natural thing that's ever come to me. I just like, it just makes sense. And I know that is a horrible description that probably doesn't make sense. But I think the only thought going through my head is emotion and how I'm feeling and how can I make that reflected in language and with words? I'm just so focused on being honest and being true because, you know, I do share my work online, but at the end of the day, the person I'm writing for is myself. Um, I'm writing to work through my own emotions, work through my own experience. So yeah, that's like my main goal when I'm writing, I would say. Do you feel healed or got something out of your system? Do you feel better after creating each piece? Yes and no. Sometimes I feel worse. Sometimes I just feel like, oh, like I'm just in such a bad mood and like now I'm just in a bad mood again. But other times I feel like, like, honestly, I'm really glad that I've started writing more hopeful pieces because they make me feel a lot happier and it makes me feel like, wow, it's nice that I've been able to record this nice moment because a lot of the times we only remember the harder moments in our lives. So it's nice to be like, oh, that was a good moment. Like, and not just a good moment like I was hanging out with my friends, but that was a good moment internally. That was a moment when I felt happy and hopeful and whatever I was feeling in the moment. So I, I guess it's a mix. I guess it depends. And sometimes if it's a really good piece of poetry, I'll be like, wow, like I did that. And that will make me feel better. Well, honestly, Louisa, after reading all of your work, I have to say you are a brilliant woman who are brave to express yourself. Um, and honestly, you are helping people. Um, the reason why I want to reach out to you um, is that I feel really clicked with you. What you're writing, I feel, I really see a piece of myself um, in your work and you're basically speaking my mind. Um, so thank you for doing that. If you don't mind, um, I want to share um, a piece of your work and we can talk wow. about it a, a bit more. So you wrote, I will learn to love myself even when I'm told not to. For me, what I'm seeing is this piece perfectly illustrates your internal self-awareness that you need to love yourself, but your cultural background sort of pull you back. I think it's because of the ideologies between the West and the East of love. Um, the East is more about giving, family, contributing. The West is more about, you know, 
individualism um, yeah. yourself. Yeah. Do you think that East and West ideologies create conflicts in your life? You know, it's interesting because my parents specifically, I think, also experienced that being, you know, first like second generation immigrants to the U.S. Growing up with Asian parents, like who are very based in Korean culture, but also assimilating to American culture. And then it just further complicates the fact that they then move back to Asia and then raise children in a semi-Western, semi-Eastern culture. And so the way that affected me was not only did my parents feel confused and didn't know how to really show love because of that, but I felt confused because I was like, all the people around me have this idea of love. My parents have a really confusing idea of love. Now I'm hearing about this thing called self-love and I don't know how to even love anything, you know? And I'm just like so confused. And I think that really goes back to the point I was making earlier about how I've learned how to kind of define my own version of culture. I think especially in this day and age, you know, with the amount of like cross-cultural couples, cross-cultural families, you know, immigrants, all that kind of stuff, like culture is just getting so complicated. I feel like a lot of the times we don't realize how much it really deeply deeply affects us through generations of our families and how that can really make a difference to who you are as a person I think for me personally the way that I've tried to overcome the issues of defining love while having a cross-cultural background is going back to my own values and really in therapy doing the work of what do I believe love is how do I believe I can show love to others And that doesn't need to be dictated by cultural ideology, I guess. Because I think, you know, a long, long, long time ago, you know, you could even think back to ancient times, culture was very specific to where you came from. And it was such a amazing tool used to bond people together in different groups um, across the world. But nowadays, because we have the internet and we have all these different crazy things going on and we have people moving countries every five seconds... I'm not saying that culture isn't important. I definitely think it's important, but it's evolving the way it exists. And I think it's going to be defined in a new way in this new age. A lot of kids, especially in Hong Kong, a lot of international kids can be examples of that. You know, it's complicated trying to navigate your own history while also navigating your future. But I just try to take a step back, take a deep breath, and realize that love is something that is so internal and so personal that you don't have to let the ideology overwhelm you, if that makes sense. I hear you. Um, I think the point that we're trying to make here is to really come to a realization that your own benefit is above a lot of things that mm-hmm. um, that we used to value. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, throughout the way of growing and learning and finding your own values you just discover a little bit more about yourself every day and that is a good thing sometimes it's overwhelming yeah. Um, yeah. sometimes it's, it takes courage strength to really you know see the deeper self of yourself um, and but I think that's something people should do um, the more you know yeah. about yourself the better you can understand and navigate your future as you mentioned um, Looking back is not bad. Um, looking back gives you the opportunity to reflect. Nowadays, kids are, you know, they have easy access to the internet. And, well, apparently that's your primary and 
you know, very important to 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 express your emotions and and your work. Yeah, if I may say, you, the internet is an interesting yet dangerous place.、Um, oh yeah, what you're doing is basically exposing yourself to one of the toughest crowds on earth. <laughs>、um, yeah. When you do that, aren't you terrified of? Like, aren't you terrified? Yeah.、Um... You know, it's funny because when I started writing back when I was like eleven, twelve, I made a promise to myself that I would never show anyone ever, which is ironic given my career now. Well, first of all, I started sharing my work in the middle of COVID, so I was really feeling like, you know what, the world is changing. <laughs> I want to share this. Like, I'm just gonna take a shot in the dark and see what happens. I really had no intention of. Becoming who I am today. Every time I share something, I do feel a little bit of like, ooh, like that. That was a lot. Like that is a big piece. Of, but the amount of people I've been able to connect with because of it、um, has been so rewarding for me and so incredible. And you know, I was inspired by various different writers growing up who were so vulnerable about their backgrounds.、Um, and I agree. Like sometimes I have this really. Hard personal debate about the internet because I know it's such a scary and tough place, and it can be very dangerous at times and very toxic at times. And to be honest, if I had it my way, I would be sharing my content with the world that wasn't through the internet, which is impossible because that is the main way of sharing things. I just think for me right now in my life, the benefits outweigh the costs or the fears. And that might change, you know. There might be a day when I wake up and I realize, you know, this is getting too much. Like this is overwhelming me. It's becoming too hard to share. And I've been very honest with myself that at that point I will stop. Like I will always put my health and my safety and my sanity first. But at the moment, it's something I'm really enjoying, and I really feel like gives me so much happiness, and I think helps other people as well. So as long as those two things are true. I feel totally fine sharing things. Like I'm a very much an open book type of person. I'm very open about anything to anyone. So yeah, I guess those are the two things that are most important: that it's helping other people and that it's helping myself. And if either of those become untrue, I will stop. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so proud of you, and I'm so grateful that we have you.、Um, <laughs> I'm so proud of you because you really know who you are,、um, and and the fact that you are helping people. I'm grateful that we have you. I'm still like digging a little bit of your work.、Um, you wrote something that goes, "I miss who I used to be."、Um, so that quote actually made a few appearances throughout your work. Like, what is it that you miss? I've really been reflecting on my. I mean, it's not even a new thing. I'm always reflecting on who I used to be. I'm always reflecting on the different. Phases of my life I've gone through, and I think in some of my most vulnerable moments, I when I say that I miss who I used to be, I mean I miss who I was when I wasn't a hundred percent honest with myself. And what I mean by that is that being as authentic as I am now, and being and doing all this inner work, and going to therapy, going to treatment, you know, going to a psychiatrist, all that kind of stuff. I 100% believe in, and I 100% believe it was the right choice, and I and I love that I'm on this track, and I love that I'm self healing and all that kind of stuff. 
But sometimes I do miss being a teenager who isn't always having to worry about her health and, you know, hanging out with her friends, like doing school, you know, doing like whatever I like wanted. Not that I don't do that anymore. Not that I don't live a fun life, but I do have to prioritize my health 99% of the time nowadays. And sometimes that can be a burden on me. So I think sometimes I reflect on my high school life and I miss being like kind of dumb and being kind of like mindless and being this like and I would consider myself in high school like a cool person like I was the cool kid like I had cool stuff and I did cool things and I think I I thought I had cool friends and all that kind of stuff and that's not to like be a cliche or hype myself up and it's also not something I'm necessarily proud of but it was a time in my life and there were good points but there were also really, really, really low points. So I say the statement of I miss who I used to be with a grain of salt because in reality, I would never want to go back to those times ever again. Mm. But I think everyone who's on a healing journey can somewhat relate to the idea of missing being kind of reckless and being, you know, a bit less so focused on yourself and focused on being well all the time, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand. It's, it's almost like you just want to go back to your childhood where worry-free, you don't have to concentrate, concentrate so much on your future. The thing that, you know, what I really value and and what you brought up is the idea of living in the moment. I think what kids do are pretty much living in the moment. Um, yeah. And I think that's people should be doing more is that like you just keep going forward and never look back you don't realize how far you've been through and what sort of ups and downs you've been through and by looking at those ups and downs you will be more grateful of where you are standing now because you mentioned you work on your pieces quite randomly um yeah but sometimes for a poet or people who work on art they very often see themselves as professionist but sometimes professionist can be a cause for anxiety do you Mm. see that creating poem cause anxiety or do you see that more of a healing process it definitely started as a healing process because like I said I was never going to share it with anyone and then when I started sharing it I do think there's always been a voice in the back of my head that's been like this isn't good enough, or this isn't poetic enough, or this is too real, or this is too not real, or this is, this sounds stupid. Like, you know, like that little voice in your head that's always nagging at you. Um, And then I also remember that, like, this is not, like, I love sharing my work, and I love connecting with other people. But at the end of the day, I'm writing for myself, and I'm writing to process and heal. And coincidentally it always turns out the pieces that are written purely for myself and purely to heal are the pieces that people resonate with the most because I think they can tell it's me being the most authentic and honest version of myself so over the past two years of me doing this and sharing it I've just realized that there's really no point in me being hard on myself because I think the more my poetry and my writing and my art becomes processed in a sense the less people can connect with it And therefore, the less successful it is anyway. So I've really made my motto in terms of creating and sharing, just like, do it for yourself, 
because even if it doesn't perform well, at least you already did it for something, you know, and at least it already benefited you in some way. Rather than if you do it the other way around, I think it can become very self-deprecating and very harmful towards yourself because then your entire purpose is weighing on the opinions and the ideas of other people when at the end of the day as creatives we should know that they don't really matter you could make the world's worst film but if you enjoyed making it it doesn't need to get an oscar for it to be great you know what i mean you're a poet and now um well i think that's a um inevitable thing is that commercializing your work can be a tough journey or experience mm. because your publisher would want you to do something that may not be you know completely you and i think yeah. the one thing that you 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 uh, mentioned is that end audience or who you want who you're writing for is yourself and people yeah. who understand you and that yeah. brings me to my next question is that can you share a little bit of what you are doing now and um, what's your plan for the near future? I'm in school. <laughs> um, I'm studying psychology. I want to be a therapist and that's really where my academic journey lies. But outside of that as being a poet, I'm currently um, working in the editing stages of my fourth book. Um, and I'm super, super excited about it. I do not have a release date at the moment, but it will be in the coming months. Um, and I'm creating work for my Instagram, which I'm working hard on. And, um, I'm constantly writing, constantly creating art. And it's such a joy to me to be able to do this. Personally, I'm just so excited about this next book. I do think it's like the best my writing has been yet. I've been able to share it so far with a few close friends and they really enjoy it. So I'm really, really excited to share it with the world. I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, I'm like, if you want to share with me, I'm 100% in it. <laughs> yeah, I love you. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Louisa, for your time today. Um, sure. Before I end this program, I ask my yeah. guests three questions um, to get to know them better. Um, uh-huh. Your first book is entitled um, Growth. Mm-hmm. So my first question to you is, what does growth mean to you? Growth is always going to be a special word to me. I mean, like you said, it was the title of my first book when I was 15. I wrote it when I was 13 to 14 and then created it at 15. And to me, growth means an infinite amount of things. I think it means changing who you are, you know, growing into a new person. I think it means challenging yourself. I think it means caring for yourself and loving yourself. At the time when I wrote my first book, I was going through a lot of tough times. And I think at the moment, it was really a way for me to be like, I made it to the other side. You know, like I grew, I, I grew through that, you know, the if you um, I mean, the book is very deep somewhere in my childhood home. <laughs> but one of the quotes that I included at the start says grow through what you go through. And I think that is just encapsulates exactly what I think about growth. I think it's a journey that allows you to not see things so black and white and rather see things as just a fluid journey that doesn't have to be linear, doesn't have to be perfect, but just something you're going along as you go through life. And I think it's honestly, in some of my darkest times, it's something, it's a word I think of and I'm like, there will be another side to this and it's not always going to be this way. 
thank you for sharing that. I'm learning, like through through our conversation, I'm learning, and I'm very grateful <laughs> for our conversation today. <laughs> My second question is,、um, which book are you currently reading? It's a good question.、Um, I am very busy, so I actually don't have a lot of time to read. Textbooks, maybe. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm reading a lot of textbooks.、Um, But I actually just got my one of my friends on Instagram's poetry book in the mail. Her name's Audrey Emmett, and it's called "Don't Be a Stranger." It's a poetry and prose collection, and I'm just cracking into it. But I'm really, really excited to read it because I love supporting my fellow Instagram poets, and they're honestly some of the most talented people I know, and deserve the world and deserve everyone to read it. So I'm super excited about that book. And the last question is: I know that you're a huge fan of Taylor Swift,、um, yes. and that question is well somehow relevant.、Um, yes. What is your favorite song of Taylor Swift, and why? Oh, the hardest question.、Um, I'm gonna have to go with, and this is subject to change within the next minute. But at the current moment, "Sad, Beautiful, Tragic" is my favorite Taylor Swift song. I Think it's a poem in itself. I think her lyrics are phenomenal. I love the production on it, and I think it really captures what I like about her as a writer. How she's able to just capture so many complicated emotions in such simple wording will always blow me away. Yeah, but I, I love Taylor. She is the reason I started writing. She is my biggest inspiration. Having someone that you can look up to, and as an inspiration in your life, is very. Is a blessing,、um, and I'm so grateful that Taylor Swift is doing that job for you.、Um, and honestly,、um, well, I I hope that this doesn't end our friendship or whatsoever. But、um, I listen to her song, but I'm not like a like huge fan. Sort yeah. of,、um, yeah. I'm more like a Queen Bee person, as you can tell. <laughs>、um, but her recent anti-hero really hits me hard. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the fact that she is also being vulnerable set up、mm-hmm. a good example for people that, you know, it's okay to tell people what you're thinking. It's okay to share what's your feeling.、Um, yeah. And I think that's also the key message that we want to bring to our listeners today is that, you know,、yeah. be transparent,、um, be present, and there can be difficult conversations and tough times. But、um, as long as you're willing to To be helped, there is always、mm-hmm. help out there,、um, readily for you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Louisa.、Um, I really treasure our talk today, and、um, I hope that I, I hope the very best luck for your book,、Thank、and you.、um, yeah, good luck. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you.